4: My people, KJ Podcast, got a treat for you today. Finally, we're getting another distinguished voice in the Bay Area. Let's get some more people involved, some other opinions and perspectives besides myself. My good buddy, Bonte Hill. What up, man? I appreciate that, my dude, man. I learned, I learned from you, man. I'm trying to be like you out here these streets, man. Uh,
2: it's been a good ride covering these teams and covering this 49ers team. It looks Be headed in the right direction, man. I mean, you talk about Jimmy Garoppolo's start last week. It blew me away. I'm totally the Chicago Bears, so we'll see what happens this week against the Texas man. But I, I think the Niners got their guy.
4: Oh nice. You're gonna play point guard and set me up. I like this. I like having a guest. I mean, Jimmy G, we hyped him up. It was a surprise when he came. There was excitement and projections and then he just came out and did it. And it's weird how Closely, he looked like Tom Brady out there. It really is. Every trait that you want, he really had. Accuracy, standing tall in the pocket, escapability. I do like the Tony Romo comparison, too, with the way he throws. As we do on the KJ Podcast, Bonte, we spin things forward. I'm tweeting this week about a long-term contract. If he plays like this at Houston this weekend, if he beats the Rams or... Jacksonville and he's the best player on the field to close the season to me I'm done talking franchise tag I don't want to lowball him I want to give him a fair contract make him a top 10 paid quarterback in the league get this situation moving don't want to pinch pennies and I know certain people are going to be like it's still not a big enough sample size you have guys like Brock Osweiler Matt Flynn even RG3 who was a heralded prospect did it for a year there are situations where a quarterback overplays. I just see so many franchise quarterback characteristics that I don't want this to be a lingering issue. Your thoughts on Jimmy G's contract situation if he continues to play this well?
2: Oh, man, you bring up some great points there. You know, you talk about Matt Flynn and Brock Oswald I remember Rob Johnson uh, signing with the Buffalo Bills. And it was like, wait, what a minute. He didn't have that hit factor. Same thing with Scott Mitchell. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo showed that if anything that he's a leader he's a leader of men he commanded that huddle on Sunday which I hadn't seen from the 49ers quarterback for a long long time I mean he was in there telling guys where to go so yes you should get it done here because you get to save that franchise tag for somebody else what if you want to use it on I'm not saying they will but what if they want to be using on Eric Reid or Carlos Hyde or anybody on that team you could save that franchise tag and put it in the back of your pocket so it's just about the language and what value will Jimmy Garoppolo get them? I mean, we're talking about a long-term deal. Will Jimmy Garoppolo command $25 million? Will he command $20 million? Can the 49ers get away with giving them $15 million per year to just give them a fat signing bonus? That's where I think the tricky part is. What is his value? How much is he worth per year? And because we know the 49ers have over $60 million in cash space, KJ, um, but how much will he make per year? I think that's the biggest question right now. Can it get away with giving him – Fifteen to $20 million a year, or will he go in there and say, hey, I need to break the bank, give me $25 million a year? Because I think he did. You know, one thing about Jimmy G, it reminded me a lot of Brady, just his characteristics. And even off the field, you think about what Brady does for that New England Patriots team. Uh, he always restructures his contract to make sure that he has the right players around him to make a Super Bowl run. So will Jimmy Garoppolo give the 49ers that benefit of doubt and say, hey, give me a fast side these brothers? But, you know, $15, $18 million a year because I need you, John Lynch, to have enough money to build around us to make sure that we're competing for NFC in Super Bowl championships.
4: That's the kind of partnership I hope they're building, where they're talking about championships play like that. Hey, we're gushing about Jimmy G. We're going to get to how great he's been throughout this podcast. But I just think this part, too, Bonte, what if he wants the franchise tag? Is he going to want to bet on himself? You look at him finishing the season. He starts throwing touchdown passes. And maybe he's good at saying, I can do this again next season. And I want to be a top one, two, three quarterback in the league. I want to be paid that well. There's just so many ramifications with a one-year contract lingering over your head. I don't like it. Tom Brady could retire in New England. There could be an attractive situation that pops up. You don't know the circumstances here. I think get it done come to the table and pay him fairly, pay him maybe a little bit more than what he's worth from what he's shown. But getting this thing done to me is a big deal. Yeah, and I think they will solve it by the end of the season, if not shortly after the season. I think everybody's on the
2: same page. Look, they didn't give up a second round pick for nothing. They went out and gave up a second round pick and said, hey, we believe Jimmy is our guy. Now, I know they wanted to hold him back into the perfect world. C.J. Beathard would have played last week but with the fair base but everybody wanted to see him play. I think just seeing that little glimpse of him playing that game and seeing the last three plays against the Seattle Seahawks, now you just talk about the value of getting it done. So I think no matter what, Jimmy Garoppolo is comfortable because both sides have the power. If Jimmy Garoppolo is like, you know what, I'm going to wait this out. I want a long-term deal. I want you to make me the highest-paid quarterback. Well, the 49ers could walk at that and say, you know what, we're going to wait on that with we'll this franchise second. No matter what. Jamie Garoppolo will be the 49ers quarterback in 2018. He'll be the 49ers quarterback in 2019 unless something catastrophic happens. So I think both sides are comfortable. Both sides are comfortable with him learning the playbook. There will be a deal done. It's just about how much money will he command. And, look, if if he gets paid as a top-ten quarterback, Great. He's going to get his money. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo, going forward, will be willing to restructure at times, say, okay, I'll give up a couple million here or there if we can bring in X, this X player or this cornerback or this linebacker or whatnot. So I think for the long term, no matter if the deal gets done or not, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the 49ers quarterback at least next year and the year after, KJ. All
4: right. I want to move on because this is going to be a talking point for a couple months here until they get this figured out. But last point I want to make, don't create leverage. Don't create a situation where you're trying to screw over Jimmy G in a contract or he's trying to really screw you in a Flacco situation with the Ravens. I mean, they haven't been good since he signed that contract. Come to a happy medium ground where you can make him a top 10 paid quarterback in the league and also still have plenty of money to build the rest of the team. Get it done now. If it blows up in your face in two years, no one will blame you as long as he finishes the season playing well. I want to move to the defense, Bonte. I've had my own theories about them all year on this podcast. I really think Robert Sala has done a decent job. Their DVOA ranking, sorry, tripped over my word there, is not very high. I think it's like 29th or 30th. The advanced stats show they're they're not very good. They have been on the field all year long. They're developing some young players. Robert Sala has not been bad. I like the Seattle scheme. My problem is I don't think they know how to evaluate secondary. Jimmy Ward should have been playing corner the whole year. Um, they've moved Eric Reed around. Defense as a whole, I think they've actually overachieved. Just your thoughts in general so far on the 49ers defense in
2: 2017. Yeah, we could all point at the secondary. Obviously, they had to get rid of Rashard Robinson. They traded him to the New York Jets. He was supposed to come in and be that number one corner. And from the first play of the preseason when he got burnt by Tyree Hill, who coincidentally burnt the last week when the Chiefs played the Jets, uh, he was a colossal disappointment. But think about what they've been working with. Think about all the injuries they've had. Michael Smith was supposed to come in here and provide veteran leadership. He had the bar up ball, but obviously he's been traded to the or they released him and he signs with the Oakland Raiders. Uh, Ruben Foster, who is defensive rookie of the month, he's progressing really, really well. Ruben Foster, I mean, he's still raw. You still see that he has so much to learn. But just on natural talent alone, he's still a lively linebacker. Man. He is explosive. He runs sideline to sideline. He's only going to get better. So this defense, you think about it, KJ, they've the Niners in a lot of football games. I mean, other than the Dallas game, which I think was schemed up wrong, where Robert Sala had Eric Reid basically playing a linebacker, and I thought that was a colossal mistake because that Dallas offensive line is just mammoth. They're big, and they just ran right over the 49ers. But other than the Dallas Cowboys game, you know, this team, you think about the Philadelphia game. They were, it was 3-0 before the 2-minute warning. They held their own for the most part.
4: This defense, considering the pieces they've lost and the plan they went into this with a first-year coordinator and a lot of young pieces who are still learning to play, I mean, they are not that bad. And I don't want to make drastic changes and bring in a new coordinator. Let's keep the same coaching staff two years in a row. What would that be like in San Francisco? You don't make decisions based on past history, but to me, I like Robert Sala. I like the scheme. Ruben Foster, the D-line. The front seven's been fine. They've only allowed three 100-yard rushers all season. That's not that bad. One area where I do want to make a lot of changes is corner. Witherspoon, it's too, it's too early to say. Is he a starting corner on a playoff team? I don't think so. I think you're going to have to sign a high-priced, free agent there potentially a draft pick jimmy ward's gonna be in the final year of his contract um actually i gotta look that up he might be a free agent so there there's just they've made wrong decisions there of course with marshawn Lattimore, malik hooker we bring that up all the time on this pod john lynch is gonna have to prove he knows how to evaluate secondary bonte that's gonna be a huge test this offseason No, no doubt about it. Hell, a couple
2: years ago, they passed up Marcus Peters for Eric Armstead. And Eric Armstead, we're still waiting to see if he's going to be that guy who can play the Leo position. Can he set that edge? Can he rush the passer? Can he contain and and bring a running game inside? I haven't seen enough for Eric Armstead. So that's been one big disappointment for me. Solomon Thomas, there's times where I'm watching a game, KJ, where I'm like, what, is Solomon Thomas playing? Where is he at? Uh, I'll wait on him. We'll give him another year. We don't the Forrest bunker. But this is about Robert Sala. Um, I have no problem with him. I, I actually like this guy. It seems like he's a player's coach. He gets excited. I love when my defensive coordinator is showing energy, getting jacked up over stuff, over his defense, stuffing the run, or, you know, making the team punt. His defense has exceeded expectations to me. They've kept him in the game. I, I, look, if, if the 40 guys were to fire Robert Sala, I think that'd be a huge mistake. If anything, extend this guy. I expect him to be back here next year. There's nothing wrong with the scheme. These guys are flying to the football. Let this defense grow with Robert Sala and see what they can do. I don't think the defense has been a problem at all. Yes, they have flaws. Yes, they have death issues. But Robert Sala is not the problem here. I think he's done an exceptional job for it. Considering this is his first year as a defensive coordinator. All
4: right, plan at D-line. you got to move Solomon Thomas inside full-time. I just don't think he's a defensive end. Not in this scheme. He gets in the backfield. It's great. Keep him there at defensive end. Honestly, I'm ready to get rid of Eric Armstead. Maybe a trade there. Maybe. Trade him for a third or fourth round pick. And this leads into where I want to go next. I think you sign a Leo in free agency and throw money. I get it. People don't want to overspend in free agency if you're talking about signing a corner too, I think instead of just swinging and missing in the draft early on with a pass rusher, get someone you know that can sack the quarterback. Don't worry about Leo in the first or second round. If you take someone in the third round, they're not going to be the kind of guy you need. You need an impact player there. I don't have a full list in front of me, but I'm just projecting to 2018. A lot of your questions on Twitter were about that. What do you think the plan needs to be? I think a free agent Leo, Solomon Thomas now inside with DeForest Buckner. Um, They'll figure out the other defensive end position. So to me, Bonte, that means draft is now skill player with your first-round pick, whether it's running back, receiver. They they trade down for a tight end. Get Kyle the best-skilled player that matches with Jimmy G in the draft that's going to make sweet music and get this football team in the end zone. A lot of talk about Quentin Nelson and O-line. I'm okay with that being the second-round pick and O-lineman. First round, I want a premium playmaker paired with Garcon as your number two. I, I just think... This team's got to score thirty points a game, and drafting Trent Taylor's and George Kittles in the fifth round would love them. It's not enough. You got to have a premium playmaker,
2: Yeah, yeah. solid number two. But you do need that one A guy, that 6-4, 6'3", guy, who's going to go over there and and catch the ready balls and moss people and, and get up there and high point the football, run routes when you need a first down. You could throw it to this guy. They don't have that explosive playmaker. I don't think they've had that playmaker on the outside since Terrell Owens. I know everybody, some people are going to say, well, Michael Crabtree was that guy. No, he wasn't. He was too inconsistent. Maybe he had to do with Alex Smith playing quarterback, but they really haven't had that explosive playmaker. That guy that could take a quick slant 80 yards to the house. since Terrell Owens. They, you imagine that guy paired up with Jimmy G opposite of Pierre Garçon? You are cooking. This offense will be humming. They're, it's scary to think that they're one or two playmakers away from really having one of the most potent offenses in the NFL, KJ.
4: Yeah, let's say Jimmy G wins a couple games. The 49ers are picking six overall in the draft. They finish 4-12. and 12. He wins two more to close the season. They're feeling really good about that. Guess what? They have an easy way for someone to trade up. They can call Jacksonville, Denver. Whatever quarterback needy teams say, we got Jimmy G. It's changed everything. Come get your guy up here. It's not worth it even going into a season without one. Look at what we did with Hoyer and Bethard. They're going to have an argument to definitely trade down, even if it's a couple picks to get an extra second, third, fourth. The 49ers are sitting pretty here in the draft. The more I think about it, the more it makes sense to trade down. Or if somehow Saquon Barkley falls to them, I still need to do a deep analysis of his film, but I see Le'Veon Bell characteristics where you're going to be able to use him in the screen game and make it work really, really well. I don't think he's your traditional running back. And even if he is, look at the top five guys that have been taken recently. Leonard Fournette, they're not regretting that. In Jacksonville, Todd Gurley, they're not regretting that. Ezekiel Elliott, they're certainly not regretting that. In Dallas, he's their entire team. So there's a false narrative about running backs I know Shanahan's history, but um, I think running back in the top ten is not a terrible idea if you think he's going to change everything, Monte.
2: But here's the thing, though, KJ. Those teams had massive awesome offensive lines. We talk about the Dallas Cowboys. They had four first-round picks on that offensive line. So as great as Ezekiel Elliott is, you see Ron Smith and Alper Morris, they ran over the Redskins. It didn't matter who was back there and landed up in the backfield. You look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, they have first-round draft picks all over that offensive line. So I do think, you know, I, I don't necessarily think taking an offensive line in to the top five would help, but ideally, when I think about when the Niners came back to relevance here, they, tra- they traded down, they moved out of the top three, they draft Joe Staley, Patrick Willis. A couple years later, they draft Michael Ayupati and Anthony Davis and built the foundation of that team to where you could run the back. Now this offensive line, yes, Jimmy G does have great pocket awareness. But other than Trent Brown, Joe Staley, Lincoln Thomason has been okay. I do think you need to invest so you're alive in some material alignment. I do think you need to invest in in building in the trenches. Um so trading
4: down because look, they, yes, they need skilled players, but I don't think Trent Brown's gonna be on the team next season, not because he's not good. I just I don't think he fits the scheme. You don't think he fits his own system? When I look at the film and Listen, I'm not an expert. It just doesn't look right in previous Shanahan offenses with Mitchell Schwartz was a really good one for him in Cleveland, a right tackle that he liked. I think he just needs more athleticism, someone who can get to the edge faster at that position. Hey, they might be able to trade Trent Brown. Bigger point I want to make here about O-line is I've seen a ton of guys bust in the top five in the last 10 years. Fisher with the Chiefs. Uh, Stokel with uh, Jacksonville, Greg Robinson with the Rams. You bust on an O-lineman in the top five and Solomon Thomas doesn't live up to expectations. You're talking about putting this rebuild on pause. Like You've screwed up and not added the type of talent you needed. So O-line to me is too risky. If you bust there, you're, you're talking about getting fired. Year four, if you're not making the playoffs, that's just... That's too risky to me. And Kyle will know the right skill player. He will find the person, the best skill player essentially in the draft. Other people are going to be taking quarterbacks or pass rushers in the top five. 49ers are finally going to pull what they hope to be a number one receiver or a franchise running back. And I still think you might bring back Carlos Hyde. Why don't you want depth? Why would you let a good second running back go? You want to have... A one A one B. You want to have your workhorse, but why not? It, running backs are cheap. There's a lot at play uh, there. I, I'm I'm team skill player though with the first pick in the draft.
2: Here's the thing with that, KJ, and I, I do agree with taking the offensive line. I, mean, I, I think trading down and maybe grabbing an offensive lineup, But when you look at the Shanahan's, and you look at what Mike did, and you look what he did in Denver, you look what he did in Washington. You look at what the Houston Texans did with their running backs when they had Shanahan there as an offensive assistant under Gary Kubiak. They drafted running backs in the second, third round, fourth round. I think if you get guys like Ronald Jones in the second, third round, L.J. Scott is a big bull at Michigan State. Uh, you got the running backs out of Georgia, Michelle and Nick Chubb. What about Darius Geis at LSU?
4: Valid points, Bonte. I love when you come back at me. All I'm saying is the 49ers are going to need to average 27, 28, 29 points per game in today's NFL, and free agency, the best players that are skilled players are not available in free agency. They don't leave their teams very often unless they're on the decline, they've had some injuries. Develop your own guy, and if you do, and this skill player hits and is a star at that position, and Jimmy G is too, I'm talking quick turnaround. Carson Wentz, Jared Goff have done it. I think Jimmy G could be at their level of throwing darts. This could be 7-4 next season if they play things right.
2: They're not as bad as 2-10, and that's what I'm trying to explain to people. When they were losing those games, and to get the first win out of the way was great, but you look at that stretch where they lost five games by combined 13 points. he's just saw it in week two against the Seahawks, man. They were flying around, and I'm thinking, watching this team for the whole year, I'm like, okay, they're losing games. But it's just how competitive they are. And you see the system in place that Shanahan had. Once he has his pieces in this offense, they are going to be loaded. And you just look within the division. Arizona's getting older. They're getting a lot older. Uh, The Rams, they're there, but they got to have salary cap issues. They're going to have to make some tough decisions next season. Uh, Tremaine Johnson, that cornerback, what are they going to do with them? And then Seattle, they have offensive line problems. The Legion of Boom is beat up. We might not ever see Cam Chancellor again on a football field. So, uh, you know what? You're right, and I'm with you here. This turnaround could be quick. Am I saying playoffs? No. Can they compete for a playoff spot? Very possibly, man. There's some. Good foundational pieces here with the 49ers. So if they hit on these draft picks and they hit on free agency, don't be surprised they're competing for a wild card spot next season.
4: Let's go through that draft class. Ruben Foster, that's a hit. No second round pick. Third round, Akilah Witherspoon, that's a hit. Joe Williams, not on the field this season, put on IR suspiciously really early in training camp. Um That's a miss right now. We'll see if he gets on the field next year. He showed flashes, but he really wasn't that good. Um, And remember, that was a pick that Shanahan and Lynch disagreed on. Uh, John Lynch didn't want him on the team. John Lynch looks right so far on that pick. Let's, Let's give him another chance next season, though. Kittle, that's a hit. Trent Taylor, that's a hit. For being rookies and coming in and playing right away. I still think uh, Kittle is ideally your number two tight end. You, you'd you want that big matchup tight end. A little bit more athletic than him. That could be a second or third round pick this year too. A tight end. Um, Trent Taylor looks like he has chemistry with Jimmy G. That's a hit. Adrian Colbert, I thought, has played free safety better than Jimmy Ward this year. Jimmy Ward hasn't been terrible at all. But Colbert definitely making more of an impact deep in the field so yeah you're taking late round picks and they're they have roles on the team I skipped over one of the picks it's Solomon Thomas he doesn't feel like he's the number three overall pick yet maybe a change inside next season will really help him I don't know what to think of him yet I feel like I'm one of the only people holding him accountable on Twitter maybe it's too harsh this is a top three pick though um not exactly thrilled with the start of his season, but the draft class as a whole, I think, has been pretty dang good.
2: Oh, you're totally be right here. We, we think of Solomon Thomas, and we think of great D-line and getting drafted high like that. DJ Raji, Aaron Donald, hell, go back to Warren Sapp. I'm expecting impact. I'm expecting you to change a football game. And I, like I mentioned earlier on this podcast, K.J., there's times where I, I see number 94 trotting out on the field in the third quarter. I'm like, oh, he's playing? I thought, he, wait, what's going on? I haven't seen anything from him. I, I mean, there's just sometimes he's just quiet. Yes, he's getting to the backfield, he's learning, but hey, you got to see a little more here. But I do think he needs to play inside. Just let him play inside. Let him be that run plucker. And if he gets to the quarter, quarterback, it's just a pocket, great. But I need to see a little more. If you're going to be drafted number three overall, we talk about the players that the Forty ers passed up, in that 2017 draft. Hell, it was Deshaun Watson? They made that. They may have been able to keep that second-round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. They could have had Deshaun Watson. Now, I do think Deshaun Watson wouldn't have had the success here in San Francisco as opposed to Houston because you look at the weapons they have, for Will Fuller, DeAndre Hopkins, and so on and so forth. But the 49ers passed up some nice, valuable pieces in this draft to take Solomon Thomas. So we need to see a little more. Year two was big for him because all of a sudden then, if he comes out and stinks in year two, we're looking at Eric Armstead all over again.
4: Hey, we keep it real on the KJ podcast. I think you're being a, a homer if you really believe Solomon Thomas has had a good rookie season. There's just a lot of other defensive rookies around the league that have made a bigger impact. And for them to say, hey, give him time, were they expecting him to not make an impact this season? I don't know. There, there's there's pressure on them now to really make sure this next first-round pick is is coming in here and is identifiably right away okay we get it this guy is going to make a huge difference jamal adams jamal
2: adams with the jets free safety who we thought who was really rumored to be out here i know john lynch really liked jamal adams at lsu but he's he's been a difference maker with the jets secondary uh he's been solid but as you mentioned Marshawn Latimore has been balling this year for the saints Alvin kamara has been well. Derek Barnett, what about the defensive end for Tennessee? He's had an impact with the Philadelphia Eagles. They love him out there in Philly. Malik Hooker before he was injured. So there was a lot of players they passed up for Solomon Thomas, but we're not going to push a panic button yet. Give him some time here. Let them get that grown man strength because we know down in the trenches, those are grown men down there pushing guys around. So let's give him another year to wait room, get the NFL system down to see what happens here.
4: I don't know if I'm sipping the Kool-Aid too hard, Bonte. I think they're going to crush the Texans. I think it's going to be like 30 to 17, 30 to 20. I think Jimmy G is going to score a couple touchdowns. They're going to get Victor Bolden Jr. involved.
2: What's going on with Victor Bolden Jr.? He had a big preseason, KJ. And I thought, okay, this guy, he made the roster, he made the Final 53. I need to see a little more from Victor Bolden Jr. I'm a little disappointed in him because of what he did in the preseason. I, I don't know if it's whether Shanahan is not using him correctly. Is he not playing him? What's going on with Victor Bolden Jr.?
4: What do you mean what's going on? There's been no quarterback play, dude. There's been no one to throw the football. All of a sudden, Trent Taylor just had a career day. Marquise Goodwin just had a career day. Start throwing to Victor Bolden Jr. Jimmy G might be able to make these guys... Much better than we thought. Anyone who came out and said, keep him in bubble wrap and start C.J. Beathard the rest of the season, I'm looking at people who are writing for KNBR.com right now. I mean, did you not know how to evaluate football? I don't understand. Cool.
2: I wanted to see him during the Seattle game. My philosophy is, look, I know he had the, the game and a half in the wing and he looked really good. Um, but it's just like, if you're going to offer this guy a long-term contract, don't you want to see what you got? What's the point? Show this fan base that you have something to be excited for for the future. Play this guy. You know, people are saying, well, they know what they got in practice. They're studying in practice. Quarterbacks aren't getting hit. They're, they're, not, they're going three-quarter speed. They're not going full speed half the time in practice. Come on. Play this guy. So, yeah, they are looking like fools. KJ. I was one of the guys when I was writing with the examiner saying, it's time to play Jimmy Garoppolo. What the hell are we waiting for?
4: <laughs> Seriously. I think you actually make a really good point about the fans. I think under Trent Balky, they were never part of the discussion at all. And I don't think major decisions should ever be made off of fans. But when your stadium's still empty and your PR has been up and down, putting it nicely, and Jed York still isn't very well liked in the area, I do think a little bit of this nudge, obviously C.J. Bethard was injured and Jimmy G had been there for a while now, but I don't think they completely ignore the fan base and that's good to know. You know, some teams like the Cleveland Browns, their fan base impacts them too much. Uh, other, other teams ignore them and it doesn't go well. I think at the end of the day, this isn't war politics, it's football. Listening to your fan base and you can now because of social media. I don't think it's a bad idea. Bottom line, Bonte, this team has the three ingredients you need really, the main ingredients to compete for a playoff spot every year a coach, a GM, and a quarterback. You got to get the side dishes, you got to get some appetizers, some desserts, you got to fill in some holes here. But what they are cooking, the meal, I think it has a lot of potential. And I don't want people to start dumping Kool-Aid buckets on their head, but things are coming together quite nicely in a 2-10 and ten season in San Francisco.
2: I, I mean, I just remember the day, KJ, when John Lynch was hired as a GM, and I thought it was a turning point for this organization in this sense. Nobody leaked anything. Nobody said a word. Je, Jed York, Parag, Barate, they all conducted business like professionals for the first time in a while. They conducted themselves like professionals. So... You think about what John Lynch here and Kyle Shanahan, they have five years left on this deal. I see them getting extended and being here for a long, long time. The ingredients are in place. John Lynch obviously knows what he is doing, the way he duped the Chicago Bears into giving them an extra second-round pick. it showed him just one spot so they could get Mitchell Trubisky, a guy I did not see the 49ers drafting at all. Uh, John Lynch is making moves here. Kyle Shanahan, there's some times where you see some pre-snap movements, you see some pre-snap penalties some misalignments, he'll clean that up. He'll get better as he grows into this role. But when you have your quarterback, who you can build around you have a solid head coach in place, and you have a GM who obviously took very good notes when he was with John Elway in Denver and going to the scouting combine and just shadowing him. They have the nice pieces in place here. I mean, as a 49er fan, people have to be excited about where this franchise is going. And I don't think this fan base has been excited, for a few years now, ever since Harbaugh in the 2013 NFC Championship game against Seattle, I mean, this fan base has been looking for anything to the, the grab onto, to latch onto. And Jimmy G, Jimmy G gave them hope for a franchise quarterback. If you just think about that for a second, KJ, I don't think the 49ers 49er fans, I should say, felt like they had a franchise quarterback since Steve Young. Now, I know Jeff Garcia was solid for a stretch here, but I don't think the fan base really thought, he was the guy that's going to lead him for 10 years. Alex Smith, drafted number one overall. The fan base never really believed in him to be the franchise guy. They liked him because he was a nice guy, but they never thought he was the guy that's going to take him to the promised land. And then Colin Kaepernick, that was a big enigma in itself. Uh, he was great in those two first years uh, in the playoff runs, but I don't think the fan base really thought that he could run a conventional offense. They're, it was split. So Jimmy G. What he did on Sunday, and I know it's the Chicago Bears, and I don't want to get too gassed up about him beating a three-win Chicago Bears team, but he, the way he performed on the field pre-snap, commanding the hug.: going no, I mean, precisely it's with the right zip, everybody feels like he is the guy. It just felt, it just reeked like mm. he was special. So I think that's why the fan base is jacked up, because they got a guy who they believe could be the next
4: Joe Montana, Steve Young. Not no, going yeah. to be that. No, but, w- but hey, w- oh, one thing, I'm jumping really in. Jimmy G is going to be better than Matt Ryan, and we've seen what Kyle Shanahan did with Matt Ryan, gave him an MVP. Atlanta was in the Super Bowl. Matt Ryan shouldn't have been that good. Kyle Shanahan was on fire that season. Don't copy Atlanta. This isn't the exact same situation, but Jimmy G, to me, As a prospect, with what we've already seen, his ceiling is definitely higher than Matt Ryan. Once Aaron Rodgers and some of these guys start getting older, Jimmy G could be a top five quarterback in the league if things play out the way I see them playing out. Like I said in this podcast, I think it's safe to get your number 10 jersey, to start getting Eastern Illinois jerseys, like how Steph Curry's Davidson one is around. This is your franchise quarterback, I think, for the next Five to seven years minimum. And my goodness, you're talking about football being very fun again. It's way overdue. This is one of the best cities in the world when the 49ers are playing well. I don't know what it feels like. It must feel incredible.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't know about MVP, Hunt, because obviously if you're winning, the quarterback's going to get all the accolades. You look at Carson Wentz in Philadelphia, of course, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan last year, but you, you hit a great point. Kyle Shanahan's not in Atlanta no more. Steve Sarkeesian, then is in Atlanta. They basically have the same weapons. They basically have a better defense. What's going on here? What's going on here, guys? Matt Ryan has regressed. Why? Because Kyle Shanahan's not there. He is a quarterback whisperer, man. Like, just like his daddy, Mike Shanahan, when he led one of the greatest offenses in history right here in San Francisco, with, which helped Steve Young win a Super Bowl uh, as a starting quarterback. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has special written all over him. I went back and watched some of his college games. The way he just, I mean, his mechanics, KJ, he stood tall in the pocket. He glided his feet well. He left the pocket when he needed to. I mean, He he, and here's the thing, too. Great quarterbacks give their guys a chance, their receivers a chance to run after the catch. That's what Jimmy G did. Hoyer didn't do that. We knew Hoyer was going to be who he is. Brian Hoyer is Brian Hoyer a placeholder who couldn't even get through a season with the 49ers. He was that bad. Huh. He gave his guys Trent Taylor Marquise Goodwin, a chance to run with the football. After the pitch, he knew where to throw the football. So, Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm, I'm trying not to get guys up off of one game. I keep repeating myself here, but I think he's going to be special. I think he's going to lead this team to great heights. Learning from Brady. You know, and everybody trying to make the lazy comparison. Well, you know, Patriot backups don't really do anything. Who the hell expected Matt Castle to do anything for Kansas City? We all knew that was a bad contract for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Jacoby Brissett hasn't been bad. Everybody talks about Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer's been everywhere. And Brady really hasn't had any backups. So, Jimmy Garoppolo is a guy who studied under Brady. He studied under McDaniels. Took notes. Well, think about this. I talked to his quarterback coach last week, Jeff Christensen, here at 9570K. He told Papa and I that Garoppolo has been studying Brady since he was 16 years old. Once Jeff Christensen linked up with Jimmy Garoppolo and became one of his personal quarterback coaches, they started studying Tom Brady at the age of 16.
4: Comparing anyone to Tom Brady seems really foolish. I agree there, but I mean, wow. It looked so weirdly, eerily similar to number 12 in New England. Hey, (laughs) I don't want to get people drunk on the Kool-Aid here, but this it could be something special. I think they thumped the Texans. I think it's thirty to seventeen. I think you get a Ruben Foster touchdown, a signature play on the road here, riding two straight wins with Jimmy G. I mean, Kyle Uzchek said in the locker room it feels like the season just started, like we're about to play sixteen new games. Jimmy G has brought life.
2: I think with the Texans. They're going to play a different style of defense than Big Joe in Chicago. Big Fangio was backing off, playing a little soft cover four, soft cover two. Texans, they're going to get in your face. Kwani's going to move a of, around the line of scrimmage. Uh, Kevin Johnson at corner. Joe, Jonathan Joseph at corner. They're going to be physical. This is going to be a different challenge against Mike Brable, Romeo Cornell, and that Texans team. So this will be a different challenge from Jimmy G. I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to how he performs this Sunday down in South Texas. Yeah, yeah.
4: what's your prediction?
2: Man, I'll say Niners 2017, 20, 20 to 17 on the road. I give Jimmy G his second career touchdown pass as a 49er. I think the running game, the running game. Carlos Hyde and Matt Burrito will combine and run for about 130 yards, and the defense will be solid. I mean, look, it's the top seven's a to quarterback. Now yeah. he will throw a couple to DeAndre Hopkins, and I do worry about DeAndre Hopkins. He's a special, special guy. Uh, will Fuller may be back this week to give him that deep threat. So I do, I do worry myself a little bit. But at the end of the day, it's Tom Savage. He's going to throw one to the 49ers. He may throw two or three to the 49ers. But I got the Niners winning 20 to 17.
4: My guy, Bonte Hill. Bonte is a reason to believe that people are still good in the world. <laughs> po- positive lot sniping, a lot of egos that go on in the media. You get none of that with this guy. Hey, KJ, man. Anything for you, my dog. Have me on anytime, man. Let's
2: catch up soon. This was a lot of fun, man. Hey, 49ers fans have a lot to look forward to, and you've been here the last two years really breaking down the 49ers and doing a great job covering them. I think 49ers appreciates your insight on this organization.
4: My man, Bonte Hill, KJ Podcast. We'll talk to you Monday after the Texans game.